welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Well, it's so good that you join us this morning. We're just going to get straight into it today. And the text that we'll be looking at is found in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. So as you get your Bibles and turn to it, maybe you got your phone and you flick there. The subject that we will be talking about is being rested with the shepherd being rested with the shepherd and really this morning we're just going to get a little bit up close and personal we're going to be looking at the person of christ we're going to be looking at his heart for us and how our understanding of this enriches our i guess understanding of him as our good shepherd but why don't we just quickly pray and let's just get straight into it this morning so good man i'm excited let's get to it lord we just love you jesus Oh, a gracious God and Father, we just welcome you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you've gathered us here today. Um, while not present in this room, um, we're gathered in unity across um, Melbourne, Lord. And we just thank you for the opportunity to sit under the authority of your word. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would apply this word to our hearts, to our lives and to all our situations. Lord, would you knit us together to become more like Christ, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, what a year it's been, you know. Yeah, when Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you have trouble. <laughs> for many of us, the last two years have been really true to that statement. And for some of us today, trouble hasn't just felt present, but it's felt ongoing. Lines have been drawn from so many angles and you just don't even know where to start, where to begin. And perhaps you're listening today and trouble has actually felt relentless. It's been an ongoing battle, one thing after another, a perpetual barrage of things happening, whether it's in your family, it's in your finances, it's in your workplace, your job, maybe it's even in your mind, all these things happening at once. And it's often in times like these, we just pray to God that he will just take us out. How many of you have asked that? Like you just say, Lord, take me away. I want to go now. See you later. We'll just ride off in the sunset. Or even better, can you just obliterate all my problems right now? And you know, I've often prayed this prayer when things aren't going right. And perhaps um, you've prayed this prayer and you're saying, God, move in this situation. And instead of bringing the fire or coming in with a sword, he prepares a table. And you're like, no, I don't want you to prepare a table. I want you to sort this issue out straight away. Come on, bring the fire, obliterate it. I want it gone. This issue, this circumstance, this burden, whatever it is I'm facing, I want it gone. And instead he starts dressing the table and he starts lighting the candles. And we're like, Lord, what are you doing? No, no, no. I want you to take me out of this situation or turn this situation around right now. And often we find that it's consistent throughout Scripture that God often doesn't withdraw us from the first sight of trouble. But better yet, we have present with us one who promises to relieve us of all our burdens and promises us rest for our souls. We have with us one who will not leave us or nor forsake us. And 
I just really want to encourage us this morning, perhaps there's frustrations that you have, maybe um, there's been many burdens. I just ask that you just um, allow Holy Spirit to begin to open up your heart and to remember and embrace the all-sufficiency of Christ and to rest in it this morning. Because while our situations might not change immediately, present with us is one who promises us a light burden. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And while many of us today have more reasons than one to perhaps to be unsettled, uh, present with us is one who promises us rest for our souls. And this is really out of the heart of Christ. It is so immense for us and he cares for us more than we could possibly imagine. And it's out of his unspeakable love for us that his care and the protection that he provides um, is really trustworthy. And, he, and he's wanting us today to understand that it is good. And friend, Christ has called us to rest in him today. He really has. Let's read the words of the Lord. It says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, I'm reading from the ESV. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, those words, church, come to me, are from the very heart of Christ. And really those words, come to me, is at the very heart of the gospel. Because as much as it's radiating the warmth of Christ's heart for us, it's also one of the most beautiful, wonderful invitations throughout the whole Bible. Because the centrality of those words come to me is what makes the gospel so accessible. It's what makes the gospel so joyous and also so welcoming. It's the very heart of Christianity. And this really is the gospel. It's all about Christ coming to humanity to serve humanity and then humanity in turn coming to Christ. And this is what makes the gospel the good news. But it also makes the gospel humbling news. Humbling news that a perfect, pure, holy and transcendent God above all creation would look at humanity riddled in sin. Like think about the things that's been going on in your life. Maybe the things that you've thought in the last week and you think, wow, how does God love me? He looks at humanity and he says, come to me. Just to contemplate even just what those words mean, it does something to our faith when we understand the safety and the care that it's implicit in those beautiful words come to me. I just want to zoom out and just look at the context of Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. And we understand when we look at the context that this is not Jesus being frivolous. This is not just him saying it because it sounds good. It's actually rather loaded. And I want us to consider two things that are in play before and after this invitation that Jesus gives because he's addressing two different groups of people. The first group of people he's addressing, we can find them in the Matthew 11, 20 to 24. So this is before the invitation that he gives. And Jesus is rebuking certain cities. And these cities are Chorazin, Bethesda and Capernaum. And the reason why he's rebuking them is because no city, apart from these guys, witnessed the sheer amount of miracles and had, I guess, face-to-face -face time with Jesus as these cities. And this is what Jesus said regarding these cities. He says, Woe to you, Charizan. Woe to you, Bethesda. 
For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable in the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. Those are some pretty strong words. I definitely wouldn't want Jesus saying that to me. But these guys saw Jesus like more than you could ever understand. They sat under the sound of his voice. They saw him walking and talking, interacting with people. All these things that just so beautifully demonstrated who Jesus was. And while they agreed with him and while they were pleasant with Jesus, they did not allow who he was and what he was preaching to transform them. And as Jesus says, they didn't repent. And I wonder if we could just ask some questions on the basis of this text for this first group. I wonder if they became too complacent. They've been so used to these regular appearances of Jesus. You could just imagine on your way to work, you're heading to work, and then there's Jesus is preaching on the sidewalk or maybe praying for somebody, maybe healing somebody. And that's just become a common occurrence. And you're just used to Jesus being around. I wonder as well if they've just become too comfortable that Jesus will perform whatever they need. And all they need to do is just be pleasant and they just need to agree with the things that he's saying. But Jesus is wanting more than agreement. We're going to find a bit later that he's wanting our surrender. And I'm going to look at the second group of people now. And this is after his invitation. And this is found in Matthew 12, verse 1 to 14. And these are the religious Jewish leaders. And these guys, their actions were probably even a little bit more grievous, probably even worse, because they heard Jesus teach. Man, they even saw Jesus heal a dude with a uh, withered hand. And not only did they denounce what he was teaching, not only did they fundamentally reject the rest that he was offering when he says his beautiful invitation to come to me and I'll give you rest. They started adding on to the burdens of people. They started adding all these extra requirements and non-essentials on to the people through what they were teaching. And questions that the text raises for us today. And now the purpose of these questions, I guess, is to not just serve as a cautionary tale, but what they represent uh, is actually still prevalent in much of our modern day Christianity. And here's some challenging questions to consider. This is based off the text. Are we living in unrepentance? Another question has yesterday's liberty become today's legalism? I'm just going to elaborate on that a little bit. What I mean by that is, have we made the things that are brought about through the grace of God alone a complicated thing? Have we made it more than it is? I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one will boast. And I wonder if we're adding a whole bunch of extra rules and metrics that would make us feel safe that we're right with God. Are we trying to earn our salvation? Or perhaps we've even imposed these rules that are in our head, these paradigms on others. And as Pastor Matt was referring to last week, are we trying to level up in Christianity and get points that just aren't there? And now as we frame these questions based on the people that Jesus addressed, it raises even more specific potent questions for us today. And specifically, when Jesus makes a statement like, come to me and I'll, I'll give you rest, do our lives at this current moment reflect that we have laid hold of that truth by faith? Have we come to him in the last month? Or perhaps we come to him regularly, but there's something that we just refused 
to let go of. We're tight-fisted about it. We won't lay it down. Are we carrying burdens of our own? And you know, not every burden is bad. In fact, Jesus gave us no guarantee that we wouldn't carry a burden. He just said that he would make us light. And there's certain burdens that we have to be a good father, to be a good husband, to be a good worker in the workplace. All these things are important. But then there are burdens that we don't need to carry. And I wonder if we've sometimes grown accustomed, grown so familiar, maybe even grown to love these burdens, to love this dysfunction, because they can be a great justifier for our emotions. They could also um, greatly explain our behavior and cause us to do certain things. They, they are a motivator. And I wonder today if we need to let some things go. And I'm going to take it a little bit further. Um, this is the last question I'm going to ask. And again, this is just from the basis of the text. Do we love the things or things, perhaps more than him, that Christ is actually calling us to let go when he says, come to me? And these are some pretty direct questions. And I guess through this invitation, we see that overarching, you know, including the, the people that rejected what Jesus was teaching, were adding on burdens through those Jewish leaders. And, and even the, the people of Capernaum, of Bethesda, that did not allow what Jesus was doing to transform them and didn't repent. He's still including them in this beautiful, this all-inclusive invitation to come, to come to him. And today he's welcoming us. And this is from the beauty of his welcoming heart. And he knows who we are. And he wants us to receive this rest. And you might say, well, what is this rest you're talking about? It sounds a little bit erroneous. And the short answer, of course, it is the free gift of salvation. But to elaborate a little bit further, it's each day knowing and experiencing God. <laughs> it means each day you're just coming to God and you're allowing his mercy, his goodness, his kindness, his forgiveness, his grace to saturate you, to make you new. It's rest from the power of sin. It's also rest from the bondage of fear. And it's also just abiding in his sovereignty, trusting that you can be kept by almighty God. And you know, rest Resting in Christ is not just something that we do, it's something that we digest, it's something that we intake. The rest that God provides is something that we feast on. It's something that nourishes us. And when Jesus satisfies us, it, it, it's because we're coming to him as our perfect spotless lamb. He's become our hunger stealing bread. He's become our thirst quenching water and he's become our all satisfying portion and cup. And really, this is the type of rest that we are getting through Christ and Christ alone. And this type of rest, let me tell you, also frees us from the hold of sin. Because the great lies, sin is a burden that we must conquer on our own, by ourselves. But desires begin to be altered when we abide in the Lord Jesus, when we come to him every day and we trust in his complete work on the cross. That old hymn reads, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full at his wonderful face and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And it's so true because when we are focused on Jesus, when we come to him each day, let me tell you, the appeals of the world begin, begin to dim and sin loses its varnish. It's no longer something that we desire. And uh, having said that, we still have many other questions that plague our mind 
and maybe resistances when we hear and read this invitation to come because many of us know the scripture and we can sometimes be so familiar with the words of Jesus that we don't allow them to touch our heart. And maybe a question is, how can I rest when I've got so much going on in my life right now? There's so much going on in the world. There's too much to worry about. There's too much at stake. How can I come? Here's another question. When I'm so ashamed or when I can't let this thing go or when I can't forgive that person or when that person can't let, set me free and, and forgive me. How can I rest when you say it's available but I've never known it for myself? And the last question, if this, is rest, if this rest is really possible and if this rest is really as good as Jesus says it is, then why do my present circumstances seem too much? Why does it seem disproportionate? You know, to all such questions, I'm reminded of um, the instance of Jesus and the Samaritan woman by the well. We all know the story. And it turns out that Jesus knew an awful lot about her. Jesus knew who she was. He, she knew that she, the man that she was with was not her husband. And she, he also perceived that he had, she had five other husbands before that. And we know that if Jesus knew this much, then surely he knew a whole lot more. But what did he do? He offered her living water. He offered her eternal life. He was saying, if you just come to me, then you'll receive this living water. And Jesus knew this woman by the well, knowing her history. And just as he knew this woman by the well, he knows you. He knows me. He knows all of us. He knows what we're going through. And he's still saying, come to me. He's saying, come. And this is the beauty of Christ's heart for us. It welcomes us today. It's calling us today to come. It's calling us to come. And Jesus wants us to rest. Jesus welcomes us to his rest. The one who says, come to me, wants to cover you, will cover you forevermore. And there's really a love that is unsurpassed that radiates from those words come to me because it's welcoming not just the tired it's welcoming not just the weary but all who are suffering and have suffered all who have lost who feel lost the sinners the slanderers the persecutors all of them he's saying come to me let me tell you I've really been identifying this in my preparation. Have you ever lied? <laughs> Christ is calling you. Have you ever lashed out at anger? Have you ever stolen? Christ is calling you. Have you ever looked at someone lustfully? Have you ever been angry? Have you ever been given false witness? Have you ever um, drank a little bit too much? Let me tell you, he's calling you and calling me to say, come. He's calling all of us to come. And thank God it's not for the perfect Christian. <laughs> we understand that Paul was on the business of killing Christians before God called him. Him and is calling us for we all get weary and heavy laden and so many days have an opportunity to bring about a heavy burden but he's calling us to rest in him and it's really in these simple words come to me where we are surprised by the beauty of his welcoming heart for us to be embraced by our savior and come to me really if we can be real, is just as much a call to repentance as it is a call to rest. Because is it come as you are? Absolutely. But is it stay as you are? No. <laughs> because Jesus, he sees where we are and he says, I, I see where you are and you need to be over there. You're holding on to that and I need you to let go and trust me. 
He knows what we need. And here's some points that we can be certain of just from this text. And we've really just been stretching out so much just from this one verse in Matthew 11. But the first one, Jesus gives us the rest that we're searching for. And it's not an eight hour sleep type of rest. <laughs> it's not somebody that you can get from a recreation or go on that holiday that you haven't been able to go for the last two years. And you're praying to God that maybe next year's the year. All those things can be good. But there's a rest that's greater than that. You know, when he says you will find, it's denoting the object of our searching. It's denoting the longing of our innermost being. It's really the question mark of the ages that ask, where can I find this rest that will stop me from staying up all night, worrying about tomorrow and will cause me to wake up in the morning with a pep in my step? Let me tell you, it's in Christ and in him alone. And we understand from this text that receiving Jesus is receiving rest and receiving rest is receiving jesus it's not something that he gives apart from himself and you know one of the lessons for me um just growing my faith is understanding that i don't need to come to god for other things because i'll then make an idol of those other things but i come to god for god and then the amazing things begin to flow from that and this is really um, David's revelation when he says in Psalm 27, when evil men gather around me to devour my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumble and fall. Though army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I'll be confident. One thing that I ask of the Lord, this I will seek, that I'll dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David understood this amazing safety of being kept by the Lord and when he just rests in him there is a confidence even when he's surrounded and some of us we feel surrounded we feel like we're just getting attacked from all sides and today Jesus right now he's speaking to us and through the Holy Spirit he's saying hey now I've got you just rest in my complete work that I've done number three trust in him to bear the weight of our burdens and this is a big one when we look at this text, we need to trust. We've got to trust in his ability to care for us. When he says, my yoke is easy, we need to trust that our former yokes are the things that have done in the past, he's covered, and our present right now, this moment, the last few days, he's shouldering the weight of it. He's carrying it on his broad shoulders. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. We just need to trust in the complete work of the cross. Trust that it is complete. Trust that it is forever. Ecclesiastes 3.14, it says, Know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Man, I just get excited when I read that. It shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away. God does it that men should fear before him. Trust in his redemption that he's purchased for us by his blood. Trust that he's justified us, that he's brought us peace and he's made us righteous. Just trust in Jesus. And this is all what we're getting from these beautiful words. Come to me. Number four, and this is the last one that we could really pull from this. Jesus recognizes our burdens, but he makes a distinction. He sees our burdens, but he doesn't think that we're a burden. <laughs> he sees what we've been going through, but he doesn't think that we're a burden. And, you know, it says in the text, it says, for take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And what an amazing thing to consider that our almighty, powerful God is gentle and lowly in heart. 
I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. Because one of the tensions that we face when we've been um, following Jesus for a long time is that we become more aware of, of just how much we fall short. <laughs> and we become so cognizant of all the dysfunction going on in our lives. And we begin to even wonder, is God getting a little bit sick of me? Is he, is he really getting sick of my antics? Like my continual nagging, my constant complaining, even when he blesses me and just my repeated failures. Is there eventually going to come a time where he's just going to spit me out? He's like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm sick of Ben. I've, I've had enough of him. And maybe we even think that secretly, um, you know, by grace we're saved and by you know, faith alone, that we, there might be a hidden clause that if this person's annoying enough, then, you know, it, it's all, you know, it falls to nothing or something like that. Sometimes we have these thoughts, but in Hebrews chapter four, it says, for we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. You know, that's just so great to consider that God is not far removed, but he is actually up close, personal, involved, sleeves rolled up in the trenches with us. For it says that he's gentle and lonely in heart, but also that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. Like, are you serious? It seems almost unspeakable and unreasonable to even just contemplate the idea of a perfect, holy, innocent, unstained, highly exalted God that we have according to Hebrews 7.26, who holds the universe by the words of his power called in Hebrews 1, who um, is preeminent and by him all things hold together in Colossians 1, and who is the light that shines in the darkness. And John 1 is also the one that is gentle, lonely in heart and who sympathizes with our weaknesses. It is unbelievable. We're almost left with no excuse to come to God and to trust him and to rest in him, to sympathize with our weaknesses. Amazing. You know, everything we endured in the past, Christ has known (laughs) and he's covered it and everything. And he's actually felt it and he hasn't sinned. He's actually experienced it. He knows. He knows. He's not distant. He knows what we've been going through. And it really makes his care even more sincere when we understand just to the lengths that Christ understands us. So we endured the past and present. He can and he wants to bear the weight of what we're facing. Remember, he won't just take away our burdens, but he will make them light. He is present with us. He doesn't want us to, to you know, just take us from the, any first sign of trouble. He wants to journey with us. And that's really part of him being a shepherd. And this is the reason why I've kind of framed uh, this sermon in such a way where we began with those words and now with this, I guess, zooming out into his function as a, as a shepherd. Because we don't need a shepherd, like physically, we're, you know, we're people, we, you know, we've got our own stuff. But when we understand those words, it's going to give us a better understanding for our need for a good shepherd. And Jesus wants to be our shepherd, church. He wants to be our shepherd. And he says, come to me because it's in his capacity to care for us. He has the ability to care for us. And this was David's revelation after so many years of being kept, being protected, of being delivered from God, that he had no other better way to describe God than to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
and he sees us and he wants us wants to be our shepherd and we see in matthew chapter 9 verse 36 that this has always been his heart it says that when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and he wants to be our shepherd and an exceedingly good shepherd john chapter 10 verse 10 it says i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep and i guess this is such good news for us hearing this that he says come to me if you're weary and burdened and i'll give you rest for your souls and i'm the good shepherd and i want to lay down my life for you and i'm protecting you i want to look after you but we have so many challenges to this because we really like to be our own boss but i wonder if in this season and moving forward if like never before we let the shepherd do his job and we just surrender and that is a tough thing to do but in order to experience jesus as our good shepherd we must consider something that we must do first and that is surrender and surrender is best summarized in this it is trusting and obeying and there's this old song that i used to hear trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy like jesus and i butchered that um terrible um and it used to drive me crazy when i hear that song as a kid but it's so true those things pair so beautifully together because sometimes it's hard to trust you mean you really can't trust but when it's difficult to trust we just simply go to his word and we obey what he said and then when it's hard to obey we just remember and we just lean on what he has done in the past and the promises he has for the future and we trust in him and when these two things are present there is so much joy there is so much joy when we surrender and in keeping on with this theme of um, these great quotes Tozer writes the man or woman who has wholly or joyously surrendered to Christ can't make a wrong choice. Any choice will be a right one. And really for us, we can understand that any choice will be a right one when we surrender to the Good Shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. Because when we're surrendered to him, then we're following him and we're listening to his voice and we're not operating by our own understanding but in our ways we're acknowledging him and he's making our path straight and really surrender if you think about it because he's our shepherd we need to surrender to him it really does look a whole lot like us being sheep looks like us being sheep and no matter and this is kind of a hilarious thing to consider because no matter how advanced you are in years no matter how much you know about the bible no matter your accolades or your i guess your history your or your resume all of us are still but sheep in light of who god is and his magnificence and we need to be like sheep because if we understand who we are in light of who god is then we can be led by him and oftentimes you know some people they're pretty good they think they could be their own shepherd but you know it only goes so far and then when they die they realize that they probably needed someone that could deliver them because we could only be saved through the good shepherd that is in jesus christ and he's the only one that gives us safety he's the only one that gives us protection and the prophet isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 it says all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord has laid iniquity of us all all of us are like sheep 
That's a humbling statement to consider. And we often don't like these, uh, I guess, connotations to weakness. You know, we like to, why can't we be a different animal than a sheep? Who really wants to be a sheep? Because to be a sheep is is kind of an insult. It's to be of a pathetic, perturbed state of mind where you don't really think for yourself. You just blindly follow. But here we, in this beautiful um, illustration, we see this, the simple thing, shaming the wise. Because we understand that faith walks not by sight. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Now, if we watch this connection now, if we are following Jesus, it means that we've surrendered. And because we are surrendered, we can now be led by him. We can now be led by him through any terrain, whatever life uh, throws at us, whatever's happening tomorrow, whatever's happening in the government, whatever is happening in the world right now. If we are surrendered to him, we can be led by him. And that is a whole lot better than being led by (laughs) ourselves. A sheep doesn't have bite force PSI. Sheep don't have talons. They don't have any weapons on their body to defend themselves. And so any pastor that they laid down without the care of the shepherd will always be a, a, I guess they'll be tentative. They'll be, you know, easily spooked and they will never able to fully rest because they don't have a shepherd watching over them. You know, oftentimes we find ourselves in hot water because we're just not surrendered like sheep. (laughs) If we are not surrendered like sheep, then we can't hear from God. Then we're not hearing from the shepherd. You know, and that's, this is why reading the Bible, it, while it's easy, is also hard because it takes surrender. That's, that's why prayer, you know, many of us, we know prayer is important, but it's hard to do because it takes surrender. Self-sacrifice, it takes surrender. Being led takes surrender. John chapter 10, verse 3 to 5 says, The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, for they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And Jesus, our good shepherd, is really that faithful friend for every season. He's always there. And as the shepherd leads his sheep from one pastor to another, there's many in-between moments. And we often get really stumped and perplexed at these in-between moments. And some of us right now, you're probably in an in-between moment. And in-between moments, they could last maybe a day, weeks, months, even years. But we must understand that present with us is the one who promises us us a light burden and rest for our souls. And that rest is implicit in his care and his protection and his covering over our lives. And this is an amazing thing to consider because even though we might be in the in-between moments, it doesn't matter if we're traversing through darkly lit valleys or somber and somber skies. It doesn't matter if we're off the ed- near the edge of a precarious mountain top or traversing through a seamlessly endless bitter cold road, or even when we're in these beautiful pastures of plenty and and warm sunlight, it doesn't matter. Regardless of our circumstances, when the shepherd calls the sheep, if we're surrendered, then we're going to follow him and we're going to trust that he's going to see us through and that he has 
our safety at his heart because he's gentle and lowly. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. And he said, come to me, not to disappoint us, but because he has the capacity, he has the deep desire more than we could ever understand to care for us. This is good news. This is such good news. And really, if this is the shepherd's effect on his sheep and his ability to keep them, how much more when we rest in Jesus, the good shepherd, is he sovereign? Is he able to cover us? It's pretty good news. And I wonder if we could come to him this moment. I wonder if we could come to him today. If we could come to him tomorrow and forever, we just continue coming to him. I just want to read that passage again, John 10. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow for they know the voice. They do not know the voice of strangers. And as I'm starting to wind this down, um, this is something I wrote some time ago in, in just one of my devotions. And this is what it says. The shepherd in his wisdom and care for the sheep will often lead them from place to place. And this process is necessary for the growth and development of the sheep. In this process, he does not go to the next place and wait for them and assume that their sense of direction will lead them true. That's a recipe to have some sheep fall off a cliff, drown in heavy currents of running water, wander into barren fields and starve or be snagged by predators. The shepherd calls out and the sheep hear his voice. He knows each by name and because of his intimate connection, he will lead them himself. We think who would bother even to attempt to name every sheep? The sheep are sheep. To us, they all look the same. Who cares? Well, Jesus cares. One who, by his grace, were purchased by his blood, infinitely more valuable than we, valuable than we could possibly know. Jesus cares indeed. On first glance, you think it's insanity to even name sheep individually. Like, but that's not for the good shepherd. For Maybe for the stranger, the hired hand, one who is unfamiliar with the sheep will scarcely be able to tell the difference from the obvious ones. That's a white sheep with black spots. That's a brown sheep. That's a blue sheep, gray sheep, whatever. But the shepherd has the name for every sheep because he knows their characteristics, their behavior, their personality, and their heart. And the shepherd is good because he loves the sheep. The sheep don't spend their time trying to intellectually decipher why the shepherd loves them so. The sheep would be crazy to hear a distant voice, a foreign voice, and run to it. The sheep simply follow, rest, and enjoy the safety of being kept with the good shepherd. And all this talk about being the good shepherd and his care for us, this made me think about my my son, who's about three months, I think. No, he's three months. <laughs> Bessie would be like, you don't know how old he is. But um, his name's Victor and we just love him so much. And he's just been so fun just to get to know and to, to learn and to just spend time with. And one of the things that I've noticed really quickly, and parents, you probably know this too well, is that it's like he sniffs out when we are finally getting our own time and he says, not on my watch. You know, he sees Bessie, Bessie finally like 
relaxing and he's like, oh, I'm just going to bother mum right now. No, nah, he's, he's not going to, nah, Ben's finally watching TV. Nah, Ben's not going to watch TV. I want him. And then we hear him. He's like, ah, like screaming. And we run to him and he's just smiling. And we're just like, there's crocodile tears. But I still, you know, they still trick me every time because I just love this kid so much. And the thing I've noticed about Victor is that he doesn't have any filters. Like he doesn't think, oh, I better not bother Ben right now because he's had a big day or I have, better not bother Bessie right now because you know she's already been up all, all night feeding me and, uh, and all this and all that. I, I might wait a little bit after so that they've had some time. Victor doesn't do that. Victor just goes, ah! and then we run to him and, and we don't even let him self-soothe at the moment because he's just too cute and we just can't do that to him yet. Uh, it's something that we're going to have to learn, I suppose. But we, we just come to him. And the awesome thing is that when we pick him up, right, we pick him up and parents, you'd know this so well, is that you can see the safety and you can see the joy and you can see he starts smiling he's like ah you know just, I'm not gonna I'm gonna start doing baby stuff I'm gonna be careful but start holding him and he's just all rested immediately he's he's pleased and something I realized is that he this kid doesn't even understand that more than him delighting in being held we as parents love and delight holding him we love it we love it. And, you know, it made me think about God. And sometimes we have some resistances to come to him because of, of the things that are happening in our world. But there's this mutual shared affection that we, we think we're just coming to God to receive his love and receive his love because we need it. No, but he loves it. He delights it. Out of his heart flows a fountain of, of delight for us that doesn't end or doesn't run dry. When we come to him, there's this, this shared uh, enjoyment when it comes to coming in God. And sometimes we think, wow, he's begrudging. He, 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 you know, he might be doing this because I'm a burden. And he's just like, here comes Ben again, coming back to me. No, no, no. He delights in us. He loves us when we come to him. And however this is spoken to you this morning, it really, resting in Jesus is, is, is part of a lifetime of journeying with God. And none of us are experts at it. I mean, just the last few weeks, it's been a challenge for me to, to come to Jesus and just rest in him and just abide in him. And there's, been, there's so many distractions, there's so many voices, there's so many other sounds that can, I guess, pull our gaze away. And I just wonder if we could just allow ourselves to just be real with ourselves and open our hearts to maybe consider that we need to come and rest in a new way again. Perhaps we've known this all along, but it hasn't been something that we've done Personally, it's something that we understand, but it's something that we haven't gone there quite yet in our heart. And today he wants us to rest in him. And this is not just for now, although it is for this moment, but it's for tomorrow. It's for the next coming week to receive his rest moment by moment, day by day, tomorrow, next week, next year, until the very end that we would continually come and rest in the all-sufficiency of Christ. Man, he is so faithful. And I just really pray over all of us. And we just want to declare that this would be an amazing season of rest, that you'll come to enjoy Christ in a way in which you've never known before. And that you would just feel that right now, the Holy Spirit would just flood your household, would flood your car, whereas you're running maybe like along the creek or up the road. I pray that the presence of God will just right now bring refreshment and restore you in Jesus' name. 
And one of the things, how do we even begin? We, just, we begin by just coming to God in the first place and just, just praying and just trusting, trusting him and obeying him. It comes down to those simple words of surrender. Why don't we just pray? Thank you, Lord. We thank you that you make us lie down on green pastures and you lead us beside still waters and you restore our soul. And Jesus, you know what we need. Thank you, Jesus, that you sympathize with our weakness. You went through everything that we had gone through, yet you didn't sin. And Lord, you have the ability to help us and you want to help us. And so, Lord, we just repent for perhaps listening for other voices. Perhaps we've listened to the voice of strangers and we've pulled away from the sheepfold. Maybe we've wandered down a, a precarious valley um, thinking that we're, we're doing the right thing, but we've ventured far from you. And Lord, we just repent and we just want to come back to you and just to wait and listen and trust in you and follow where you lead. Lord, we thank you that when we come to you and we open our heart and we confess our sins, that you're faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you, Jesus, of the joy of surrender, Lord, that you are so good and that you love us so much. And out of your heart for us, this flows a fountain of delight for us that doesn't end or doesn't run dry. Lord, I pray that we would know your rest in a new way, Jesus, and that we would abide in you and that this would be a daily, even a moment-to-moment occurrence in our hearts, Lord, where we might not have the time to create the perfect atmosphere, spend an hour or two in your word, but even just stilling ourselves in your presence in a moment before the next meeting, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would begin to make a habit of that again, Jesus. And Lord, we just give you praise. We thank you for blessing over all the families. We thank you for every person watching and our whole church community, Lord, and every family connected, Lord, that there will just be a blessing and that there will be rest and there will be peace in our households, Lord. We just thank you, Jesus, and we love you and we give you all the glory. In your awesome name, amen, amen. Thank you, church. Enjoy your Sunday or whatever day that you're watching this. We'll see you soon.